Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Last week we spoke about faith versus law, or you could say faith versus performance. And if we're all honest, we fall into performance sometimes. We come to church because it's just what you're supposed to do, not because we're maybe seeking a word from God. But the beauty about it is, is when we seek uh, God in relationship, we get everything that we need for life. But, but as our sinful nature sometimes doesn't like to be vulnerable, we can fall back into, for instance, one of the, the you can watch it again, uh, one of the symptoms of someone who's a legalistic Christian or a performance-based Christian is they read the Bible for others. So they read the Bible to find stuff out so they can call people out on their sin. But you don't want to read it for yourself, which is the whole point. That I'm re- the whole point of reading the Bible is that the Bible reads you and exposes sin, exposes darkness to bring light into those situations so you can love God and love people better. Amen? And so... If that's where you're at, and sometimes we fluctuate, it's just time to get back into spirit-led living, away from performance, because the performance is never good enough. That's, that's what we spoke about last week. You will never perform good enough to fulfill the commandments of God, so you'll always be condemned. And you'll never feel good enough to be used by God. So the whole point we had to be born again is because we're going down a different road. It's a relational road with God. It's a spirit-filled. It's the presence of God at work within us despite our sin, despite our failures, which allows us to have right standing and righteousness with God. And so that's an amazing place to be. That's a powerful place to be. That's a life-changing place to be. And here's the reality. And this is where people are scared of. Oh, Phil, don't be telling people they don't have to do you know, the commandments, or don't be telling people they don't have to, like, do good things. Of course, the law is still holy, but if you focus just on the law and doing good, you underperform. If you focus on the grace of God and His goodness and get in relationship and fall in love, you overperform. You go beyond the law. You don't just do the minimum, you go beyond it. Love will do crazy things, uh, and love will sacrifice everything. Amen? And so that's what Jesus came to build, uh, a house, build our foundation on love and sacrifice and uh, understanding the Holy Spirit that has power to overcome. So really, if if we're living in the Spirit, what happens is we go from strength to strength. But some of you are thinking right now, well, I know this person's been in church their whole life and they actually got worse. Don't put your hand up. Maybe you're sitting right beside them. Uh, And you know why? The reason you got worse is because you were under law and not grace. Because you didn't fall in love with a person, you fell in love with a level or a performance or with religion. And the the problem with that is it doesn't work. And it makes you a hypocrite too because you go around looking for Scripture to call everyone else out and then everyone else doesn't want to be around you because all they sense is judgment. How, how many people have you met? I'm not coming to church. They're all so hypocritical. What they're saying is they're under the law. They, they look at me through the lens of the law and, and everyone else is never good enough. And of course, that's the story for us all. But when you're under grace, Jesus actually hung around with the sinners and 
allowed them to feel like they belonged before they believed. Which brought a lot of, the religious people were critical of that because like, why are you hanging out with them? They're not perfect. What are you doing in that room over there? What are you doing with those people in that social gathering? But what we find at the end of that story is that repentance came when they seen the heart of God because it outperforms the law. Amen? So that's where we were last week. I want to build on that this week because sometimes, if I don't clarify this, some people just think you can come in, do what you want, and just take advantage of grace. The whole point of grace is empowerment to be holy. Yeah? It's not just to do what you want. The whole point is grace is to bring freedom with truth. Truth is what brings the freedom. Grace is what gets us on the journey. And so we're going to talk a wee bit more about truth today and how we break the cycle of sin in our life. Are you with me? Good. This is really rocket science. Now get ready for this. Get your notepads out. Watch this. If the cycle doesn't break, the cycle will continue. Mad. Can you believe it? I actually got revelation through that. Ah, right enough. If the sin doesn't break, the sin continues. And then we wonder why we haven't progressed. If toxic thinking doesn't break, well, toxic thinking continues. And so in order for it to stop, there has to be a shift. There has to be a new way of doing things and a new day. Um, But watch this. This is sometimes we don't expect this to be the way that we would break the cycle. Sometimes we need a breakdown to break through. Sometimes the way you break through is not through winning, it's actually through losing something or someone or situation. And that's when you get back to the drawing board because you realize this is not working anymore. Maybe it worked for a season, it's not working anymore. So a dead end, I love this, a dead end is often where we need to experience a new beginning. Let me give you an example. I've seen this lovely house. Well, it wasn't actually that lovely. It was derelict. No one lived in it for years. I was just trying to be, in, be positive. <laughs> no one's in it. It's dead. There's no life there. Lay there for 20 years, and all of a sudden I seen a crane. And I seen this big uh, industrial digger. I'm like, what's going on there? And, and for the next week, it was destructive. It looked destructive, like you're making a mess. They start smashing this house up. Within a week, there was a beautiful flat surface and the mess had been removed. And often that's what looks like for us when we're, we're about to make a shift. We're about to go into a new season, a better season, glory to glory, next level. It looks like a mess sometimes initially. There's a deconstruction before there's construction. And sometimes in your life, the breakdown that you're experiencing and have experienced in the past is the perfect opportunity to build fresh. And to build better, because who knows, they told me when you're going to <clears throat> decorate your house, your first house is usually your trial, and the second one is the one you maybe do the way you actually want it, and you've learned some lessons, shouldn't have put you know, the sink there, shouldn't have put the mirror there, shouldn't have built that wall, because life is full of lessons and mistakes and learning. And so if you've made a mistake today, and you're a sinner, welcome to the club. <laughs> 
Welcome to the club. We're all on a journey and we're learning and we're repenting and we're growing. We're doing things our own way and then realizing God's way is better. And it takes time. It takes process. We talked about Abraham done exactly that. Isaac and Jacob, they all went through the same process. But what's this? The foundations can only be built on vacant land. The land has to be cleared. The old thoughts, the old beliefs have to be removed. The new land becomes available when the building falls. So yes, it's discouraging when something falls down, you lose a job, a relationship doesn't work, there's pain, there's suffering. Of course it's discouraging, but it's not the end. Sometimes the dead end is the perfect opportunity for a far better new beginning than of old. And that's why when we talk about the youth, we talk about past generations, your grandfathers, your your fathers and your mothers, and we're talking about a generation of old, but you're the generation of new. And this is where we talk about, for such a time I was made for this. That scripture, when we we read that, the context is, hey, they had done their part, it's now my time to do mine. The world is different today. The challenges are different today, so we need a new wineskin, a new method a new way of doing things. The same happens for you and your family. Your parents done the best they could with what they had. Didn't get it right all the time. They got some things right, some things wrong. Just build on it. Throw out the bad and take the good. So we're going to pick up there. Before we do, do so, let's pray. Today's message is called Break the Cycle. God, we just pray and thank you that you're a cycle breaker. That God, you've called us to protect what, what you've put in our heart and what your scripture says is true. And Father, you've called us to protect the truth in our lives that you have given us, to break the chains that bind us and set the captives free in our lives for this generation and the generation to come. God, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, And everyone said, amen. So we're going to pick up in, in Joshua. We're going to talk about the story of, of Moses that then goes on to the story of Joshua. And some of you know the story. The story was that Moses was in Egypt. He made a mistake. He killed someone, but God had a call in his life from when he was a baby. He then went into the wilderness, thought it was over. He had a breakdown, and then he had a breakthrough. At Burnham Bush, God spoke miraculously, said, hey, you got to go back to the mess. you got to go face your problem got to go face the thing that makes you fearful and makes you want to run from life. You got to go back to that. You got to address that because when you do, freedom is going to come to my people. What if the same is, what if that's the same for you? What if the thing that you're ignoring right now, God's calling you back to address it his way, even to say sorry, to repent, but to speak his words over a situation? What if that paves a path for the generation that is now and the generation to come? Well, that's where we're picking up. Because Moses did do that. He did obey God despite his insecurity, despite his fear. And they broke free from the bondage of the Egyptians. They then traveled in the desert for 40 years. And then Moses' life came to an end. That generation had come to a halt. And here we pick up where Joshua has now... He was the assistant of Moses... And God is now telling him, it's now your turn to take this thing not backwards, but forwards. So you're going to have to do something new. 
going to have to have a different kind of courage because it's a different kind of land. It's a different assignment that you have been given. But it's all working together. So let's pick up for nine verses. Hold tight. Joshua 1 verses 1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, his right-hand man. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Like, it's nearly as if he said it as if he didn't know that already. But he wanted to emphasize he's dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Now, watch this. This land had been promised to Moses, but Moses never seen it. But he played a vital part. I promise you that I've pro- what I've promised Moses, the, mo- the promise is the same. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south of Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land all the land of the Hittites. Probably butchered that, but we'll move on. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you're going to be scared. Your flesh will cry out. For you are the one that will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. My promise still stands. Yet again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Everyone say obey. All. Everyone say all. Obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left, don't turn back. Don't do things your own way. Then you will be successful. Come on, does anyone in here want to su- succeed at life? Accomplish the mission. Finish your assignment. That might be for you raising a family. That might be for your specific ministry. That might be for you being an example in your workplace. I don't know what that is, but... God's called you, and He wants you to succeed, and there's a plan. Study the book of instruction continually, the Bible. Bread book, I'm trying to help you. Study it. Be in the Word. Meditate. God, what are you saying to me, not to the next-door neighbor whose dog is continually barking? (laughs) Or that party that's been on all week? God, what are you saying to me? Not to them. To, what, God, what are you saying? Not to my wife or my husband or the person at work who's doing my head in. What are you saying to me? Because that's where the grace of God, the power of God, and the success of God comes from. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Everyone say all. All you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's kind of interesting that, that it seems that be courageous, as if be courageous is just a choice. Maybe it is. Maybe we have the decision to make in ourselves that I'm going to choose my emotions, my subconscious. There's some part of me is afraid right now. I'm choosing 
to take that into my own hands. God has given me the authority over my soul, over my decisions. Be courageous, Phil. You've got more in you than you think. Don't allow little feelings to dictate your story. So one thing Moses had to realize is what got us out of Egypt is not going to get us to the promised land. What's maybe got you this far isn't going to get you to the destination God wants you to be. Another way of saying this would be maybe what got you through school is not going to get you a job. Maybe some of the skills you need to develop, like applying for a job. Maybe you don't just need theory, you need practice of being in a job, staying in a job. Maybe what got you to marriage isn't going to keep you married. Oh, ho, ho. you'll learn that one quick. <laughs> Maybe what got you to Christ is not going to get you mature in Christ. Maybe it was a revelation moment where you just seen, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, but now you've got to work on you got to work out your salvation. you got to work out your sanctification. you got to, oh, oh, God actually wants to deal with my day-to-day now and, and deal with my lo- ability to love my enemies. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that was a part of the journey when I signed up. Maybe what got you to church won't keep you in church. Oh, my word, I thought, you know, this was such, felt like a fantasy, just God's so perfect and we're worshiping him, and he is. But people aren't, and they're in church sitting beside you working stuff out as they go along. So how do you stay in church? (laughs) It's different to get into church because people get hurt by people in church. So the question is, what's your expectation? And this is often why we get offended in church because we have a fantasy of people in church thinking because they sit in a pew, they're perfect Christians. I promise you they're not. I'm here. (laughs) Don't say amen to that. Was it someone said, only because you're in a car garage, it doesn't mean you're a car. You might be a scooter. You might be broken. You might be in the car garage. So it's the same for church. There's people in here for various reasons. Some of them are in the car showroom and they're looking all polished. But behind the scenes, they've been in the car garage for nine months. Straight into MJS. Motors and Coal Island. <laughs> and, and the church with church. That's what it looks like. Yeah, you come in here and we're all friendly and we're welcome and we should be. We're trying to make, make the coffee as good as you. Big Alan's just knocking out of the park with the coffee every week. Jane's just loving him at the minute. But listen, we're all on a journey. It's not maybe what it seems on the surface. There's stuff, there's a mechanic workshop behind the scenes. And that's exactly the way it should be. Maybe in a relationship, you got so attracted to someone. I remember someone t- telling me this is so true. Luke's is an initiator. You're so excited. You got this idea in your head, but then all of a sudden you realize Luke's is not a sustainer. What, what got you to, into the relationship is not going to keep the relationship. Because there's, there's something deeper needs to happen. Some conversations that are awkward and I have to be honest. So I want to look at a few observations in this story 
that we can maybe pull from in our own practical lives is going to help us to break some chains. The first one is Moses is dead. That season is over. Maybe for a young person, I'm no longer a teenager. I've got to grow up. I've got to start doing my bed. <laughs> Maybe even do some washing. Imagine that. I'm still struggling with that one. Shrinkage of <laughs> my tops, holes. Still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to grow. This is why when we talk about someone being baptized, the example is the old is dead. We're not going down the road of performance, of religion, of trying to perform for God. That is dead because we fail time and time again and we get born again. So maybe you're struggling with identity, sexual orientation, condemnation, not being good enough, performance problems. It's okay. Because God's plan was not to try and get you to perform well enough in this life or to try and deal with those emotions. God's plan was for you to die and that fleshy part of you to die and for the Spirit of God to rise again and you become a new person driven by a new operating system. It's a new way. And that way it looks like the power of God and the truth of God which keeps us aligned in a place of freedom with the power of God which gives us even Joy, peace, his power. But we got to do it his way. What is it? Don't drift to the right or the left. Stay in line. But like the road system, some of you are like, no, I, I prefer freedom, Phil. Oh, oh, do you? Okay. So, so let's just apply your, your strategy there. You've got, let's say you're, you're, you've got a daughter and she just passed her test and you want to let her free. And so she will just take all the road signs away. We'll take the line in the middle of the road away and the speed limits away and people can just drive how they want. Freedom! Are you going to send your daughter into that? That kind of freedom? Is that really freedom? Because you realize that you know what freedom looks like? When, we're, when it's not just us in the room or on the road, freedoms for everyone doesn't look like a free-for-all. It looks like a confined freedom. It looks like structure and this work within the structure. And if we all work within the structure, we can get from A to B safely, functionally, and even enjoy. We can even put a podcast on, put some good beats on, on the way. Get a bit of head bumping. My neighbor loves that. You know he's coming, because he's definitely got subwoofers in the back. See, God's freedom is a confined freedom. It's not a free-for-all. So you see, in our emotions, in our identity, we need confined freedom. We need a way of doing things. We need structure. Our playground needs a fence. And when we do, we can relax then. We can actually have peace and joy and all the stuff that happens. But when we do it our own way, I just want freedom. Do what I want. Do what I feel. My feelings just are leading me all over the show, and I'm changing every day, and I don't know who I am. But that, I've got my own truth. You heard that said? What are you on about? That is not truth at all. If you can't define truth and you've got your own truth, what on earth is going on? If there's no definition to what you are, then there's no definition to what you are. And, and so we use all this language and it's just pure confusion. There's no system. It's the same as driving on the road, do what you want, go where you want, up, left, right. 
It's like saying to the police officer, Officer, what's wrong? You pulled me over. Well, sir, you're going 120 miles an hour and you're swerving in on and off the, the hard shoulder. Some of you are like, that's news to you, that, that's wrong. That's how, you, that's how you do it. But you're going 120 miles an hour and you're swerving inside, outside. But officer, it's just not my personality to stay between the lines. It just doesn't suit me. It's not my truth. It's your truth, but it's not mine. What's he going to say? You're a nut. You're arrested. Get this person off the road. You're a danger to every person. That's what the world's teaching us. Do what you want. Go where you want. Your truth. Whatever goes. What do you get? Chaos. What do you get? Hashtag crazy. I'm just preaching the truth to you. Come on. Dear Lord, help us. <laughs> And so Joshua's here. It's a new day, but it's the same system. There's a new path. There, there's new ground. There's fear. But he's saying you've got to have courage. You can choose to have courage. You can choose to have strength. It's in you, but we've got to pull it out. God's got potential. He's got power, courage in you, but you have to pull it out. It's not going to be lethargic. It's not going to be passive. It's going to be, in some ways, aggressive. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Second thing, be strong and courageous. Let me tell you a little story. Are you ready for another story? Stories help, don't they? Jesus knew it. Told stories all over the shop. Uh, call them parables. Earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Just to tell a story. So I'm going to tell you a story. One night, it's in bed. All right? Sleeping like a log with my lovely wife. Lights are out, dark. And, uh, you know, just in case I've got this little bat under my bed, just for, you know, worst case scenario, it's a wee wooden bat, like a baseball bat. You know where I'm going? And one night, two o'clock, hasn't happened since I've been living alone by myself. My wife's now in, I've got someone to protect, including myself. The doorbell goes. I'm like, what on earth? Look at my watch, it's 2 a.m. Boom, 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 boom. Phil, now's the time. <laughs> Get up, be courageous. You're the man of the house. Step up, protect your wife. <laughs> but there's also... The reason my heart's beating fast, because there's a fear starting to rise at the same pace that my heart is rising. The blood is flowing. I look out the side window. I can't see out the front. No sign. But I hear a car running, a wee engine running. I look the other side, and I'm just like, you know, you know like you see in the movies. I didn't have a gun, but I kind of done the gun thing. Just wait for a second, pure silence. I'm just kind of creeping around the house, front floor, you know, they knocked the doors, I don't know why I'm doing that. So at least they were, if they were a bur burglar, they were at least polite, so fair play. And the next thing, I, I go downstairs, just down the stairs, and I, there's no one at the front door, I'm like, it's not kids, surely. 
And actually, when I looked out the side door, I could see this car. Now, how mad is this? The car door was wide open, swung open. The, car, the lights were on. It was like a hit and run scenario. They're trying to get something, and then they're trying to go. I'm like, that's it. This is serious, Phil. Get, this is your moment. You've been thinking about this potential. <laughs> this is it. Come down the stairs. There's no one there. I'm like, oh, my word. I'm, I don't want to be descriptive, but I'm in my boxers. I'm like, this is brave for me to go outside in my boxers, despite anything else. But there's no one about, and I'm saying, right, this is, this is emergency mode. I can see the car now. The lights are on. This is hit and run. And so I'm, I'm like protective. Anna's asleep. My, my, my princess is asleep upstairs. Don't worry, darling. I got this. Crack the door open. I'm, I'm going outside with my bat. And I'm like, there's no one left and right. The car's just sitting there, abandoned. Like, this is Joyrider. This is classic. They're trying to raid the house. Um, and I, I says, right, I'm going to can kind of hear something rustling around the back. I'm like, this is even worse than I thought. If they're going into the dark where there's no lights, they're definitely up to something. Take a right turn, side garden. I see this dark kind of figure with something in his hand. And it was like one of those Clint Eastwood kind of face-offs. The, the tumbleweed just... Da, 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 da. And I, I'm... Uh, I'm about to draw <laughs> and run. And then he came into the light. I was so protective and I was trying to deal with all the courage stuff. I'm like, I'm going for this guy. He's went too far. There's a line. He went over it. It's party time. And then he came into the light and all I could see is a Domino's pizza. <laughs> and I just thought that's the worst weapon you could ever have, bro. And so he got the wrong address and I sent them on and, uh, and <laughs> didn't tell anyone that story until today, until I needed. But my, <laughs> but hey, I want to make a point that sometimes in our life, if we're honest as Christians, what happens is a thief is at the door. And we just say, come on in. And sure, get a tea. I'll get you tea. Take your, take your shoes off. Take, you know, take all the, take the TV. Take whatever you need. I'm just going to sit down and, and just watch and chill out. Just come on in. Open the door for you. And then just be on your way. And, and if you just close the door after you, come on in. But maybe there's something in us that has to be courageous and to face and have boundaries and say, get out. And to not run away from the delivery of bad news, not run away from the delivery of lies, not run away from the delivery of insecurity, that we should actually face it and say, get out. And I'm going to grab something if you don't get out, I'll grab whatever's in front of me. I'll use the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit. I'll use whatever's in front of me at that moment in time to tell you to get out. 
I'm actually not going to be passive about it. I'm actually not going to be, uh, I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. I'm going to drive forward straight through you until you leave. Because if the, what you're delivering does not line up with what the Bible says about who I am, I do not accept. It's not okay. And I might even get violent with it. But if we're honest, some of the thoughts that we have about our family or about ourselves or about what God's called us to or about um, impurities in our life, sure, come on in. Get some tea. Do what you want. Actually, Tim, give me my phone a wee second, please. You texted me, that, didn't you? We were in, in group this morning and I asked uh, Nathan... He shared an, ES, uh, an encouragement with the team, and I asked him just to share it. And this is it. This is what I'm talking about. It says in Proverbs 6, verses 16, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict within the community. You see, there's some things that God loves and some things that He hates. And there's some things we have to contend. He's aggressive. He's against them. And in our lives, we should be too. If there's thoughts, if there's things in our heart, or if there's people, we should have boundaries. And as soon as people go beyond those boundaries, we should be aggressive, aggressors. And so we're going to do a little task now. I'm going to pretend I'm the thief that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, and I want you to react. And you're going to react with get out. But it's not just get out, get out, please. No, I've got the authority, I've got the strength. I've got the courage that God has given to me. I, I possess his heart. I, what breaks his heart breaks mine, and I'm aggressive with it. Some of us are in toxic situations, and you need to aggressively break the cycle by saying, no, not just no, no, you can't do that to me. No, you can't go past my boundaries that way. No, it's not okay for you to talk to me like that. No! Boundary. So I'm just going to go. And you're going to go. No. Get out. I'm going to try this side first, see how we do. I'm just going to knock the mic. No. Get out. We're going to try it. No. Get out. Five out of ten. Let's come over here. <laughs> 6.5 because of Lorian. I'll try it once more, a bit more aggression. And this is what we're talking about when the devil comes to steal, kill, destroy, lie to us, steal our confidence, steal our boundaries. Okay, man, come on, put our hands together for God. No, get out. You come into church, you feel you're not worthy. 
No, get out. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm accepted not because of my performance, but because of who he is. I don't care what you've done. You're not bad enough to come into God's house. Can I get an amen? amen. No. Get out. get out. God, I feel feelings of, of confusion around who I am, my identity, but it's clear in your scriptures who you say that I am. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm called. Just the way I am. I've been brought into this world with some dysfunction, past heartache, generational curses, but I'm not accepting it. No, get out. And I'm going to get on the rebuild process. I'm going to wipe the slate clean of the past. I'm going to knock the old houses down that are no longer functional and dead. No, get out. I'm starting again. We're going to rebuild this thing. We're going to better this thing. I'm gonna, you might live Moses' life and set up the next generation for Joshua, or maybe you're taking on Moses' mantle and you're in the Joshua situation, but either way, no, get out. And lastly, it says, obey everything written. See, it's the grace of God that keeps us in relationship with God. It gets us started. It gets us on the journey. But watch this. This is important. It's the truth of God the obedience that moves us forward, that, that we, we're able to walk into freedom. And listen, it's not always a feeling. Can I, I really, this is really important. For you to break the cycle of sin and to experience God's best for your life, a lot of the time it doesn't feel good to your flesh. Initially, it's the same as the gym. Initially, your body's broken. When you start your ex, your pains, and it's very easy for you to conclude, this is not good for me, but it is. It's just your body takes time to adapt, to build, and to move forward. The same applies to your spiritual life. Initially, it mightn't feel natural. Of course, you go to any counselor who's trying to break some chains of people's lives, just do it anyhow. Sometimes you've got to do some things that don't feel right to your flesh because you've been built and adopt, adapted to a sinful pattern of life. And your emotions are attached to that. And so to break that, you've got to go against the emotion and the feelings initially, and then the feelings will follow later on. But that's why we don't build our life on feelings. We build it on truth. And then the feelings will follow suit. Can I get an Amen. But where we fall short, and I've done this before, is that it just we're, we're so built in the world we live in to go with what feels nice, as long as I'm happy. And it's a terrible foundation. Every time I go to marriage uh, counseling or, or I'm speaking at a wedding, I'm, I'm, I'm aggressively chasing. The truth of the matter is that this is not happy matrimony. This is holy matrimony, God's truth, God's best. That's your foundation. Happiness will come and go. And have, don't have expectations otherwise or you'll feel like a failure. You'll be aiming for something that you can never reach. And so everything will always be a low. But if you think if I'm building something, I'm on a journey, the feelings will come and go. Well, then you're not surprised when it doesn't always feel good. It's just the way it is. It's life. We live in a fallen world. Nothing is perfect. And the journey is we stumble, we fall, we get back up but we get better. So every thought matters. 
that you have about yourself. The Bible actually says this, that we have the ability to take every thought, to take control of it. That your thoughts, your feelings are not the boss. You're the referee. You have the ability to shift that. But it depends on what you're reading. It depends on what you're rehearsing. It depends on what you're planning in your head, the vision that you have. It depends all those things cultivate the culture within your soul. And that's why God came to give us a new start. A soul, a mind that is obedient, not to just our ideas or what the world is saying, to Christ. And when you do that, then you bear the fruit of that and the peace of that. And all of a sudden you're doing life not just on your own strength, but God, hey, I'm bowing the knee to you. One of the healthiest things for any man to do is to bow the knee to something bigger and better. Why? Because it produces humility. And that's why Christianity fits like a glove for us. Can I get an amen? Let's go ahead and stand as Dylan comes ahead on forward. So Moses is dead. We need to be strong and courageous. We have the ability to say no and cultivate our soul and cultivate our mind and and have a healthy, God-given mindset by being in his word, by praying. Bible-based prayers, not just wistful, airy-furry prayers, but God, your will be done. And then if we obey everything that is written, we pave a road system, a road map that is simple, straight, and not confusing. It's not about feelings. It's about decisions. It's about God's truth. And that's what gives us a map that simplifies our life God's way. Okay. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.